Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. The month of August, we honor and devote ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This devotion has received new emphasis because of Sister Lucy Dos Santos. I want to give, go right into some soul food because we have a we have a lot to squeeze in today. Absolutely. So I want to, I want to give you some soul food right now. Today's Holy Gospel at Mass, Matthew chapter sixteen, verses thirteen to twenty-three. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father has. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, <clears throat> Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. <clears throat> God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen mm -hmm. to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. <clears throat> you are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as humans do. Wow. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Give it to me, Jess. There, there's a whole lot you can say here. Uh, if you want to see... The, an exegesis of the rock and the keys. I did a two-and-a-half-hour debate against a Protestant pastor. Get on the Internet. You can watch it. I go into detail every verse. Uh, type in uh, Jesse Romero versus Jose Ventilacion. Jesse Romero versus Jose Ventilacion. We did a two-and-a-half-hour debate in Visalia, California, on what does this uh, Matthew 16, 13 to 23 mean. Uh, I, it, I take two-and-a-half hours, but let me just give you some different aspects of today's reading that I want to share with you. Number one, Jesus just makes Peter the rock, and he gives him the keys. He establishes a papacy. <clears throat> but remember, the papacy, everybody's a human being except Christ. He's a God-man, 100% God, who took upon a human nature. The rest of us are sinners except for the Blessed Virgin Mary. So all of us are wrestling with concupiscence, even Peter. Yep. You're going to see Peter's concupiscence here even after he's called rock and he receives the keys. Jesus just tells Peter his plan of salvation. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, i got to suffer, then I'm going to be killed, and on the third day be raised. Peter didn't like that plan. And, he, and, and the Bible, Peter rebuked Jesus. Can you He rebuked God. Yep. So what happened? Uh, our Lord turns around and, and says to him, he says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as, men, as humans do. What's the point that I'm making? <clears throat> Peter and all the popes, they're, they're not Jesus. They have concupiscence. On a human level, when they follow their human impulses, they can err. They can say things that are off the, uh, off the plumb line. Yep. And in fact, what you see here is, is basically Peter is uttering the words of Satan because it's Satan that doesn't want Jesus to accomplish the salvation of the human race or the redemption of the human race. And so Peter is speaking through 
I mean, uh, uh, Satan is speaking through Peter, or Peter is uttering the words of Satan. The point that I'm making is we've got to pray for our prelates, popes, bishops, and priests, because they are subject to attack. The first pope is subject to attack. That means every single pope will be subject to attack. And furthermore, in, in the Gospels, in John chapter 13, at the Last Supper, the Bible says, as all the 12 apostles were around the Lord Jesus Christ, it says this in John 13, verse 2. <clears throat> it says, and Satan entered into Judas's heart. And then he got up and left. Satan entered his possessed him at the Last Supper, a successor of, oh, I mean, one of the, the apostles handpicked by Jesus yeah. uh, and sitting there around the Son of God. Yep. Again, we must pray for our shepherds because this is why Jesus warns us. We have good shepherds and we have false shepherds as well. I'm done, Terry. Wow, Jess, well said. I just want to say today's feast day is St. John Vianney. We're going to avoid Sheen today and give us to St. John Vianney. I wanted everybody to know this because after the second segment, we've got a Eucharistic conversion of a young lady who's going to tell you how she came to the Catholic Church as an anti-Catholic person, and it was through the Eucharist. But let's let's give a little encouragement. Let's go to the saints for answers to the church today. Not Jess Romero, not Terry Barber, the holy men and women of our church, mm. and Scripture, obviously. Yes. Okay, when St. John Vianney ri- arrived at St. Sixtus Church in 1818, most of the 230 residents of villages assembled next to church learned the identity of their new shepherd. Few presented themselves, however, for Holy Communion at Mass. So they, he had problems. Nobody wanted to go to church. Nobody wanted to receive. It was, it was unbelievable. But his pastoral strategy, and this is the strategy we need today, Jess, to get people to return to their Eucharistic Lord is a model of practical wisdom that can guide the Catholic Church today. It involves four essential steps. Here's number one, to help people recover the sense of importance of sanctifying the Lord's Day. From the earliest days of the church, Sunday has been treated as a little Easter. Yes. And if people don't recognize the importance of celebrating Easter or prioritizing their activities over it, they do not really grasp the basics of our Catholic faith. And the cure of ours, both in the pulpit and with those who came to Mass, in and walk through the village for those who didn't would stress the importance of Sunday as a divine gift to help become who they were supposed to be. Now, the second point, he said to teach them what the Mass is. How many people, Jess, you and I have talked to, have no clue? They're Catholic by name and they're baptized, but they have no mm-hmm. new idea what the Mass is. John Vianney says this, you got to teach them. Attending Mass is the greatest action we can do. When was the last time you heard a priest say that, Jess? Mm. Not often, I don't think so. He should. He repeated until they grasped the profound truth of these words. All the good works taken together do not equal the sacrifice of the Mass. Yes, we've heard the saints say this over and over again, but we need to drill it into our heads because they are the works of men of holy whim. Holy Mass is the work of God. And he said, a martyr is nothing in comparison because martyrdom is the sacrifice that a man makes to God of his life. Check this out, Jess. The Mass is the sacrifice that God makes for man of his body and blood. Now, I'm going to make it short because we got... there's a Once he restored the sense of holy and awe, what happens at Mass. And Jesse, you know, we need to bring that back mm. to our Masses, that it is holy action. Too many people are chewing gum, talking in church, you know, wearing sandals or whatever, wearing shorts, you know, not dressing up for Mass. 
he got that, he nailed it, and he was able to pass to the third stage to help them grow in the practical appreciation of our Lord's real presence in the Eucharist. He is there, as John Vianney said. Mm. And this is what this conversion of this young lady next said. And it blows me away because she was a Protestant who was anti-Catholic, and the graces were given to her to believe in the real presence. And wait to hear this conversion. But he said, if one favor our Lord asked, we would never have thought, ask God for his own son to have his son die for us, to give us his body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. St. John Vianney said this, we got to ask to have our faith straightened every day. The last step that John Vianney said, make frequent Holy Communions. In his 31 years of the famous 12 to 18 hours a day hearing confessions. Do you hear that, Father? Yeah, he heard mm. that many. Yes, this is Padre Peel. And those coming from all over France would come to him to go to confession. And he, he would tell them, receive Jesus with a clean soul. At that time in France, people seldom received he tried to help this with preparing them inwardly. Did you hear what he said to the church in 2022? Receive Jesus with a clean heart. Mm. You hear that? The bishops and I even say the Holy Father. John Vianney says, I will refuse someone if they're not going to receive Holy Communion with a clean heart. You can't do it. You offend you. You're, it's a sacrilege. And I think that this is so important. I might, might be a little over the top, Jess, but John Vianney, St. John Vianney's t- feast is today. And you know what, Jess? I'm going to take a line from you. All these teachings, there's no expiration date on John That's Vianney. Right. Yeah. This is the perennial teachings of the church and what he teaches on the it's Eucharist. Called the, it's called the democracy of the dead. The democracy of the dead. Hey, yeah. well, well said. When we come back, Jess, Jesse hasn't heard this, folks. This, this young lady came in this week, told me her conversion story, and I said, sit down. We've got to go in the studio here. People need to hear how God worked in your life in a very powerful way. Because of the lack of reverence in the Eucharist today, I think God uses these conversion stories to inspire us, we hoi polloi, to bring a greater love for the Eucharist in our lives. So we'll do that. And also, Jess, we are going to give some other tips. we have got some good news stories. Uh, we got a good st- talk about uh, Vin Scully, who's, who died yesterday. And now we're going to talk about how he also lived out his Catholic faith. All of today, really, you know, there's some things that are going horrible, but people that are like Christian female soccer player chooses to sit out match rather than the well L- to wear the LGBT jersey. People are standing up for their faith more and more, and this is exactly how we're going to renew the church, which will renew the world, which will get people to, to heaven. And that's what we do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesse, do you have a, another quick good news story? Uh, Terry, that, that's, a, that's about it. Uh, okay. I just uh, can't wait till we get into I, I, can't, I can't wait till we hear that testimony. I'm... Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jess is out of town today, but I have a, a new friend, Lynn, who's a convert to the Catholic faith. And she's got a story that's going to knock you off your horse, so put your seatbelt on. Lynn, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Thank you, Terry. I just want to say thank you, you know, you know, for this humbling and awesome experience. Um, all glory to God. Amen. Lynn, give us a little background so we can set the stage for your own encounter with Jesus. Tell us your, where you're from and tell us a little bit about yourself. So, Terry, I, you know, I come from a family of eight 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, by blood, we're Chinese. And um, so we, you know, my family, my parents didn't have enough money for all of us to to immigrate to the United States. So my dad decided for for us to, for two adults, to two oldest and the two youngest to go with my mother. Wow. So we were divided. back. Wow. We left Vietnam and came here in 1979. Wow. And, um, and so c- in coming here, I grew uh, 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 I grew up with the uh, 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 African American uh, Baptist Church. Sure. And they started taking us to church. I remember the, I would you know, on a yellow bus, and you know, they would pick up me and my sister up every single every Sunday morning. Uh-huh. And I remember they would say, my favorite thing was you know they would give us crackers and 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 milk, and wow. we would sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. So you know that was my favorite thing, and um, and so growing up, I mean, I remember just standing there in the congregation and with my mother Mm -hmm. and my younger sister. I would be like looking at my mother. I'm like, mother, why are we the only yellow people in this (laughs) congregation, mom? That's cute. She looked at me and she's like, be quiet. You know, <laughs> that's funny. And so that pretty much opened up to me, uh, opened up my faith. Yeah. You know, uh, my exposure to to God. Well, and so now that was when you were just a youngster. Tell us how you actually had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So when I was about 12, 13 years old, I was I felt something empty in, in myself. Mm-hmm. Something is not right. right. I was just, you know, going day to day, just feeling sort of depressed or sad, no meaning mm-hmm. at the time. And I'm like, something is wrong, even though I can be in a crowd of people, but there was really no sense of joy in me. Mm-hmm. And I knew something is not right. And so one day I came, I ran, I went into my room right after school, like I normally do, closed the door mm-hmm. and I was laying prostrate on my bed wow. and crying to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, if you are real, then show me yourself answer me because mm-hmm. why am I feel why do I feel like a hundred bag of rice over me why do I feel so heavy emotionally yes. immediately I felt the presence the whole prince the pouring of the Holy Spirit upon me like I like the hundred bag of pan of rice just lifted off of me I felt like a bird that I could just fly mm-hmm. like I just I could just fly and there was such a great amount of joy that I cannot explain. Yeah. And I said, there's a God because he answered me. Wow. And that led me to having this relationship with him. Yes. And so you continued in your teen years, very formative years. I mean, obviously you didn't have a dad yet. Yeah. You had your mama. And so it seemed to me that this relationship with Christ really built you up to know that you had a mission in life. Oh yes, you know, uh, you know, Terry. I, I started reading the Bible because the Bible, I was taught God's love letter to Amen. us. Amen. Yeah. So I'm like, God wrote this love letter to me. I better read it. You know. <laughs> so I started reading. So, a friend gave me a Bible, and I read it like three times back to back to back. Wow. Even though I didn't really understand. Sure. You know, when it comes to genealogy, yeah. all that terminology, all these words, I didn't understand. But I'm like, I'm gonna keep on reading, keep on pushing through, and 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 just seeing what you know what God is telling me through this. Sure. Sure. And half the time, honestly, I really didn't understand at that age, you know. But I just was just in love with the Lord. Mm. And I remember being in school. I'm like, I couldn't wait to get home to read God's word. 
I love it. I just couldn't wait to get home. That's, that was in my thoughts, on my mind all day when I'm at school. Yeah. I can't wait to get home. That's you know, amazing. In time. So now you're, uh, you're, if I understand correctly, we did chat before the show. Mm-hmm. You ended up going to another denomination or two. Tell us about that. So I went from a Baptist to, a, you know, we moved to a, my cousin was the one who started taking us to church, mm-hmm. my sister and I, and uh, he continued. He was, um, I, I believe that was his calling to, to continue to lead us to, you know, in the mm-hmm. path of Christ. Sure. And so we went to a Presbyterian church mm-hmm. and then um, a Methodist. That's where I got baptized. Got it. And then from Methodist, it was um, non-evangelical. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And then what, and this is the real catcher, now that you've gone through all this, you're an adult. You're not married. You're an adult. What made you even consider being a Catholic? Because your background was anti-Catholic. You thought Catholics were like, you know, the last thing you'd want to be. Right. And so for you to even become a Catholic it makes no sense. So tell us what happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was the last thing on my mind to become a Catholic. And so my high school friends, friend's friend introduced me to this young gentleman. Yeah. And she thought, oh, we would make, you know, a nice couple. You're both <laughs> Jesus believers. Yeah. You know the difference. Because she's not, not a believer. She's a non-Christian and not a Christian. So she thought, you know, Catholics, Protestants, you know, who cares? You all believe in Jesus. Yeah. And which I sh- actually I do love about that, that, you know, the innocence about that, you know, oh, yeah. that we all believe in Jesus. Sure. Right? And so then when she introduced us, I'm like, and I found out that he was Catholic. I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to work. <laughs> you know, this is no way going to work. So I'm thinking the Lord is calling me to convert this guy. I love it. And that was my mission. I love it. You know, and I was on fire to convert this man. <laughs> and what happened? It didn't, it was far beyond, you know, it, was, it wasn't, that that didn't happen at all. It was the other way around, actually. And that's the funny thing about it. How did that happen? Tell us about your experience you know, you've never, you only went to a Catholic church, I think, once in your life. Tell us about your encounter uh, with going to a Catholic church as an adult. So my, the first thing that I had, ha- I said was, okay, I don't believe that God could be in a Catholic church because I don't believe that Catholics are Christians. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, let me just go to a Catholic church. And the only church that I knew of is uh, St. Anthony Mm-hmm. in San Gabriel, California. Sure. That's where I went on to a funeral in high mm-hmm. school. That's all I knew. So I went, so I said, okay, let me just test it out, okay? And let's see if I could experience encounter God's presence in there, you know? Yeah. Wow, God really humbled me, Terry. What happened? As soon as I stepped into the church, I just began bawling. I was crying. Mm-hmm. God put me down to my knees. Wow. He really humbled me. And I experienced the presence, the powerful presence of God that I cannot, mm. like, I'm like, well, it's almost like a sense of joy at the yeah. same time, but it's also so humbling. It was like an all of God's presence. Wow. Like, I'm like, wow, like, Lord, you're here. You're present in a Catholic church. Huh. That's that incredible. That opened the door for me to like knowing about more about the Catholic faith. So how did you find your way to, because I know the story about Oblates of the Virgin Mary out in Hawaiian Gardens, and they understand, you know, they, you took some personal instructions. How did that, how did that happen? So, um, so one day I went to, um, to 
Theology on Tap. I'm not saying. Oh yeah, that's right. Theology on Tap. Was it, yep. Or is it? Yeah. And then I'm thinking, wow, you you know, I'm like you guys are just a bunch of drunks, you know, <laughs> alcoholics, you know, because I yeah. you guys, it was they serve beers and yes. alcohol, and I'm like, wow, how can you you know say you you know you worship God but you're drinking and all that, and um, and I I was really judgmental. Yeah. I was really being judgmental, and um, and so when so they had mass too. And so when, when it was time to receive the Eucharist, I was told that I wasn't able to do, to do so because right. I'm not a Catholic. How did that, how and did you react to that? I was, I felt rejected. Mm. And so the reason I, I know I, I couldn't receive it because, because I didn't believe that the Eucharist was, wasn't just a symbol right. of the body of Christ. You know, mm-hmm. and and I didn't believe at that time. Right. And I just when I was told I couldn't receive it, mm-hmm. I it was like a knife stabbed in my heart. Wow. I felt rejected by God. Sure. Wow. That I just went out and I started crying. I'm like, Lord, why? I thought I was your child. Why yeah. can't I receive, you know, <clears throat> the body and blood that you sacrificed for my sins? You know. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so that what led me to say. I'm going to become a Catholic. Right. Just because I want to use, I want to receive Christ. I want to receive the Eucharist. Sure. Well, that's powerful. And then, so that, is that when you went to the Oblates of the Virgin Mary to get personal? Yes. So, and, and what was Father's response when you walked in to tell him you want to be a Catholic? Well, he's like, um, <clears throat> well, I don't know because we just, I, I don't know the exact words because it's been 15 years ago, Terry, but sure. paraphrasing, yeah, he's pretty much said it was kind of too late for me to get into the RCI program because we're like two, three months away from Easter uh-huh. being, um, you know, uh, from the confirmation. Sure. Um, and so I said, you know, I need to, I need to be confirmed because I want to see the Eucharist. And so he saw the hunger in me, you know, and he's like, okay, you know, well, I can, you know, I'll, I'll meet with you one-on-one. And so he did. And I got confirmed into the Catholic Church. Wow. A few months later. Wow, that's a powerful story. So you became Catholic there. And then um, now that you're Catholic, uh, it's a good story, too. If you, you, um, you, you meet your husband, and um, he's Catholic, Correct. Oh my gosh! He said I was born Catholic. I'm gonna die as a Catholic. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So he, so he's a Catholic, and then you guys get married in the church, right? Yes. And I think Miraculous Medal. Yes, in Montebello. Montebello, and so now you are married, and um, you are on fire for the faith. My question to you is: uh, Now that you've been a Catholic for several years, I think I'm just going to shift right into. Um, you feel that God's calling you into a, another ministry. Tell us your professional background, too. That's another element now that we've got your testimony in. So I am um, a court investigator for the L.A. Superior Court of California. I got gotcha. you. And I've been doing that for close seven years now. But you also are, th- you've done some uh, counseling, have, too, right? Right. No, I have a background. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Social worker. Okay. Yeah. So, I, um, so I was working at General Hospital USC, LAC, USC Medical Center yes. for some times. And I also worked at, uh, at uh, as a, a children's social worker for the Department of Children and Family Services. Um, and then, so, so what, so many years of my life, I just felt stuck, 
you know, after being, um, even during my marriage, I just felt kind of stuck and not not thriving in life, just surviving. Mm-hmm. You know? well, when we come back, I want to hear that part about what you feel like the Lord's calling you now to do. Yeah. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. We have Lynn here telling her testimony, which is a beautiful testimony, how she became Catholic. And now she's got a little fire in her belly to do some other work that hopefully will come to fruition. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Station. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Hey, this is Terry and Jesse. I hope you enjoyed that conversion story. We love, people love to hear conversion stories. Jess, let's move on to another topic. I know you mentioned about the Gallup poll. I thought that was uh, really sad. Yeah, well, there's two I want to squeeze in right now. The first one is that what's happening in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, that's another horrible one. Yeah, there's uh, the Los Angeles Unified School District has been promoting transgender theory from kindergarten to 12th grade since 2021 wow and the LA unified school district which again uh i think 90 for 94 percent of the kids that go there are roman catholic wow so if if you don't think there's a uh, uh there's an agenda to destroy the faith of catholics uh you're fooling yourself yeah yeah this is specifically targeting roman catholics wow most of them are hispanic most of them are roman catholic and so the LA Unified School District recently held a panel of queer seventh graders at a conference that encouraged athletes to come out. The conference also gave out gender-affirming clothing and included instructions on how to refute religious objections to gender theory. So notice, they're teaching the kids, hey, when your mom and dad uh, come up with this argument against, the, against transgenderism, here's how you respond. Wow. When your mom and dad say this, here's how you respond. So they're teaching them transgender apologetics, which means how to defend the transgender uh, uh, sinful lifestyle. And, 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 and notice what they do, Terry. They're not, they're not dumb. No. If you look at the picture there. They're very strategic. That I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. I'm they have a school teacher. Yep. Young. Attractive. Dressed very immodest. This is exactly what's going to grab a... Look, look at the young girls in the picture, the way they're looking at her, Terry. Yeah. They're looking at her like with total... They're looking at her like, I want to be like you when I get older, Mrs. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Look look at the eyes on the kids on the teacher. Oh, yeah. Riveted. This, this is strategic. Young, millennial, Marxist, right out of school... They dress immodest. The clothes are so tight it looks painted on. And they're and they're completely malformed in their thoughts. And you've got all the kids around them looking at them like a superhero, like, I want to be like her yep. when I grow up. And this and, and so this is how, Terry, they're pushing this Marxist LGBTQ uh curriculum. Uh, down the throats of the LA, LA, LA Unified School District students. And again, the majority of these kids 
are Hispanic. The majority of these kids are Roman Catholic families. Yep. That's all I've got to say. Well, that's that. why you got to get your kids out of the public school system, Jess. That's the bottom line. What about this other Gallup poll, Jess, that we came up with? Um, with CN, uh, CNS came out with a Gallup. Only 11% have a great deal of confidence in TV news. <laughs> Does that surprise you? No, of course not. And only yeah. 16% in the newspapers. You know, those who have uh, newspapers have been dying for the last 25 years. But it shows, again, people have lost trust in those two means of communications. Yeah, Terry, there's an old saying. I forgot who said it. Mark Twain or somebody. Somebody said, um, if, you listen to the, if you listen to the news, yeah. you're misinformed. If you don't listen to the news, you're uninformed. Wow. So, so you're dead if you do, you're dead if you don't. You have to be very selective, but most Americans, this is around the... And I'll tell you who started this. It was Donald Trump. Uh, you know, when he became president, one of the things he started telling Americans about was fake news. Yeah. Most of what you guys are listening to at night is fake news. He'll give speeches and he'll point to the very back and he'll say, oh, see, there they are. See the cameras? There's all the fake news. Terry, we've, we've all kind of known this. Yes. But it was Donald Trump, the, that one that said the king has no clothes. Right. And now people are admitting this. And again, yeah. this, this, this article says, again... A new survey by Gallup shows that only 11% of American adults have a great deal of... Only 11%. That's nothing. That's one out of 10 Americans have a great deal of, or quite a lot of confidence in the TV news. And only 16% have confidence in newspapers. These are all-time low points, according to Gallup. Uh, Gallup asked in June, uh, the U.S. adults, they asked, please tell me how much confidence you yourself have in each one. A great deal, quite a deal, a lot, some or a little. For newspapers, again, 16%, uh, they said they have uh, confidence in. For, for television news, only 11%. Television news and newspapers rank nearly at the bottom of institutions measured by the survey, said Gallup, with only Congress garnering less confidence <laughs> from the public than TV news. While these two new institutions have never earned High confidence ratings, they, they've fallen in the rankings of in recent years. Yes. The percentage of Americans who say they have very little or volunteer that they have no confidence in newspapers is currently the highest on record. 49% of Americans say they have that little or no confidence. Yeah. You know, Jesse, not only that in the media, but we have little confidence in the White House. I'll just give you an example right now. Biden signs executive order to attempt to help low-income women pay for killing their own children if to, to have access to go across state lines. And this is something that, as a baptized Catholic, is reprehensible. Uh, you know, Biden signed it on Wednesday, uh, this order, in order, you know, according to his administration officials, paves the way for Medicaid to cover abortion-related costs for people who have to travel from a different state. But Biden and other officials on Wednesday provided few details on how the change would work or a timeline when it would be implemented. This man has made every effort, Jesse, to kill unborn babies. Uh, and it's just so sad because at his exit interview, I'm sure this will Which all is come soon. up. It's yes, he's soon. 80 years old. Come on. And that's why I pray for this man's conversion. But it seems every week I'm hearing more and more, what can I do to kill unborn babies? It's like, a, it's like he's asphyxiated on killing the innocent. No, no, you're right, Terry. Yeah, we, we call that in, in theology obsession. Yeah. 
He has an obsession with killing babies. You're absolutely right. He has an an obsession with kissing women that aren't his wives. He has an obsession with smelling women's hairs that aren't his wives. He has an obsession with putting his hands on females that are not his wives. Mm. This man is sick, okay? I'm yeah. sorry if I get in trouble for this. He's a, this guy's a sick man, and this guy runs this country. And what embarrasses me more than anything else is that he's a baptized Catholic. He's one of yeah. us. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I have my meltdowns, but I pray for him every day as well. Because, Absolutely. Because, you know, I have a moral obligation to do so. Yeah. But, uh, Terry, going back to the media, I mean, Tell this me. is, you know, uh, you know, years ago, the media... They they were described as, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. We would look, most Americans would look at the media as, hey, these guys, they they represent the interests of the people yeah. in relation to the to, to business, in relation to politics. Uh, you know, we, we always saw the media as they're on the side of the people. They're, they're advocating for us. In front of the business community, in front of the political elites, but Terry, that's no longer the case. We we no longer trust them because there's just too much evidence that there's this media bias, and the media bias, Terry, it's really not so much uh, not only against conservatives and patriots, but against Christianity, yeah. against all, everything that Christianity has given us. Uh, the media has has tried to destroy, and I'll tell you, the media. Next to politics and academia, these seem to be the the areas where the left has really taken hold, and uh, it's 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 very sad to see that today. It's to to find news, Terry. You really have, or to find real news, you have to go to alternative media, right? Not mainstream media, alternative media. I'll tell you where I where I go to get a lot of Catholic news. I go to uh, life site news i go to church militant right. i go to raymond arroyo uh you know so so, so i'm selective I'm, I'm out there i go to steve bannon i go to daily wire this is alternative media it's out there because the fact is terry we can't trust the big media conglomerates any longer right that's true and you know jess just mentioning a name Stephen mosner who's, uh, you know, he's got a new book coming out. He'll be on our show next week. We haven't picked a day, but he's already agreed to do it. And I love his new book titled Politically Incorrect Guide to the Pandemics. Mm. I mean, what a title for a book. But you see, this is how you're getting your news. And that's why I say at Virgin Most Powerful, we're very selective on what sources we use because we want to make sure it's the truth. And Jess, if I just have a minute, I want everybody to talk about uh, pro-life. This is such a great story of a pro-life priest sentenced to three months in jail for counseling women inside an abortion clinic. Folks, go to LifeSite News. You'll like it because this is two priests who just wanted to give people a rose. They get a miraculous medal. Talk to them about uh, offering their baby up for adoption so they could keep it, you know, and that's what they do. They, they do this, and uh, I think that uh, all of us should be inspired by their example in, in participating in this red rose rescues because they've been very very effective and you can read the whole story on life site news but why do we tell you these things because we need inspiration just myself need inspiration we need to see committed christians standing up to the world the devil and the flesh 
And the only way you can be inspired to do the right thing is if you're Christ-centered. If Jesus Christ is not the center of your life, if he's not your motivation, if he's not your strength and source, That's you're right. not you're not going to be you're not going to have the strength to fight for one second. It's only <coughs> it's only the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. His love, what he's done for us and his promises of eternal life that keep us getting up the next day and just swinging the bat for Jesus. There is no other exactly. motivation in this world other than other than faith in Christ and belief in his promises. Jesse, we have people who work for some of the networks who are listeners to ours. I won't say his name, but he just texted me saying, Jesse, just hit the ball, hit the nail on the head regarding the media. And he works in the media. So that's right, Jess. Yeah, but he won't say his name. We don't want to get him in trouble. Yeah. Hey, uh, listen to Terry and Jesse on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I want to talk about Vin Scully and how he was able to uh, overcome major obstacles in his life and much more that should inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Hit it, Jess. Well, we've got this uh, incredible athlete, Sydney, or yeah, Sydney McLaughlin. Yes. She wins a gold medal at the World Championship and she breaks the world record. I love it. And what does she do? This phenomenal <laughs> athlete. She gives thanks to God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. So Sydney McLaughlin, who won the gold medal again, and also broke her own world record yes. in the 400 meters at the World Athletic Athletic Championships on July 23rd, 2022 in Oregon, USA. She thanked and praised God in her Instagram announcement that has gone viral with nearly half a million likes. Awesome. Sydney, age 22, uh, again, achieved the second uh, a, a, a record-breaking time. She broke the world record in the event. In her social media post, McLaughlin cited Hebrews four sixteen. <laughs> she cited it, it, the Bible reads, "quote So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy, yep. and we will find grace to help to help us when we need it most." Close quote. Then she wrote on her Instagram, "Praise His name. What a beautiful day yesterday was." Preparing for this meet, the core of my team was centered around faith and belief. The amount of prayer coupled with hard work was divinely culminated in me breaking the record. By the grace of God, we accomplished our goal. In her Instagram caption, McLaughlin added that prayer and hard work divinely culminated in her breaking the record. Uh, For an NBC interview after the win, McLaughlin said, I'll have to start off by saying all the glory to God then explained that God gave her the strength to achieve it. McLaughlin attended Union Catholic Regional High School in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. So I'm guessing she's a Roman Catholic Christian and uh, the fastest woman in the world. God bless her. Congratulations to this uh, young lady. You know, Jesse, I agree with one of our listeners saying that, that the interactions with people, you know, our secular world, they view religious people really as the enemy. Even this girl who won this track record, she's uh, obviously a committed Catholic Christian. And, you know, they got to give her due here. But I guarantee you, they they look at suspicion at us because we have this belief in Christ. 
And this is something that we have to boldly put out. And I think that her example right now inspires me to stand up. And I hope our listeners see that as, hey, she stood up for her faith. Why can't I? That's right. Yeah. Let me just mention one other thing, Terry. You know, a lot of people see this little, uh, when they go into the Catholic Church, there's an insignia or there's a monogram. It says IHS. Yes. IHS. Right. It's in, you know, you'll see it in the altars, on sure. statues, you'll see it in the walls. And yeah. it's it's a monogram that's very prevalent inside Catholic churches. So, again, so it's extremely common to walk into a Catholic church and see these letters IHS etched on a crucifix or prominently featured in a stained glass window. And so people say, what does it mean? You'll find some people's reflects. They say, well, I think it means in his service. No, not, 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 not quite, not quite. The, the monogram does not stand for in his service or I have suffered. The monogram is Latin for uh, Jesus hominum salvator, or even in Greek, in hoc signo. IHS is more appropriately called a Christogram and is an ancient way of writing the word Jesus Christ. Mm. This goes all the way back to the third century. Catholic Christians, they shorten the name of Jesus by only writing the first three letters of his name in Greek. That's what they did. And it, it looks in Greek, it looks like I-H-E uh, in, in, in the Greek alphabet. Uh, so they would take Jesus' full name, J-E-S-U-S, and they would just write J-E-S in Greek. So the I-H-S are the first three letters of Jesus' name in Greek. That's what it is. Wow. In the early centuries of the church... It was a secret symbol. It was often etched on the tombs of Christians. Then in the 15th century, St. Bernardine of Siena went on a preaching campaign to promote reverence to the holy name of Jesus, and he encouraged Christians to put IHS on the doorways of their homes. Wow. A century later, in 1541, St. Ignatius adopted the monogram to represent his newly founded order, the Society of Jesus, we, we now call the Jesuits a once great order today, not so much. Uh, the symbol IHS now permeates Christian art all over the world. So that's the little history lesson from uh, the Terry and Jesse. I love it. You know, Jesse, that should inspire us too. This is our whole purpose here is to get you to heaven. And when we tell these stories about people who stand up for their faith, it's really to just encourage you to do just that like i mentioned about the christian female soccer player choosing to sit out a match rather than to wear the lgbt jersey i love the way she answered the critics and this is something that you know we also uh should follow this kind these kinds of examples she she says this she says you know what um i'm not going to be on the roster tonight because i i don't support that i'm a i'm a christian and um I'm not going to go out there and uh, participate in it. She said that uh, when she got nailed by saying, oh, you're just a bigot. She says, no, I love Jesus and I love the Bible and I'm going to stand for what I believe. And uh, I don't uh, hate you uh, because of what you believe in. And please don't hate me for what I believe in. In other words, I love you even though I disagree with you. I thought it was a good response to the media people. That's right. Terry, you had, I think you had a, a story about Vince Scully. That I you did. Let to... me just throw it at you. We know that he died yesterday, 
and I knew him personally, and I gave the story about being with him where he stood up for marriage between a man and a woman uh, in front of 5,000 people. Now, just to review, everybody, this is a man who has deep faith in Christ and his church. He was born in 1927. He had a lot of tragedies in his life. You know, Jess, his father died when he was only five years old. And in 1972, his wife died of accidental medical overdose. And in 1994, his adult son, Michael, died in a helicopter crash. I mean, you know, then he was free to marry, so he marries another woman, and she dies in 2021 from Luke, Luke Gehrig's disease. So despite the hardships, and this is the message I want to give, despite these hardships, Scully said his faith had never wavered. He said this, <clears throat> he said that uh, when he retired in 2016, he said, I earned this distinction of being the longest serving broadcaster for a single team in baseball history. That same year, he received the Presidential Medal Freedom uh, Award. Ultimately, guess who he credits, just like the, the athlete? Mm-hmm. He says, Scully credited God's providence for his longevity and popularity as a broadcaster. He said, first of all, I attribute to one thing and one thing only, God's grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a Catholic man to allow me to do what I've been doing for 67 years. <clears throat> Scully said on a conference call ahead of the final game, as reported to the MLB Network. He said, to me, that's the real story, not really me. I'm just a vessel that was passed hand-to-hand down through all those years, so I don't take it to heart as some great compliment. I just realize that because I've been doing this for 67 years, that's why people, everybody wants to talk about it. So I think I've kept it in the proper perspective. In other words, life is short, eternity is forever, everything is a grace, and that's a very biblical view of of life. Wow, what a beautiful story. May may he rest in peace. Amen. Yeah, man, he was was a good man, and boy, oh boy, he's going to leave a deep... um, Can can I get one more thought? A deep deep hole. Jesse, he he also was a conservative Catholic man. I'll tell you one quote he said. He was um, talking about Hugo Chavez from Venezuela and in, 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 uh, socialism. He said that socialism never works. He said, talking about this in, in between balls and strikes on a baseball game. And he says, you know who the second most uh, rich person in, in, uh, in, uh, in South America is? Hugo's uh, daughter. Or, you know. So he said, but nobody can feed anybody with socialism. He said that uh, it never works anywhere. And <clears throat> you know, some people would say, well, here he is getting political. Vin Scully, tell, he would call it as he saw him, and I always would say that he never forgot about his Catholic faith when he was broadcasting, and he made a big effort for getting the players to get to Mass on the Sunday obligations when they were traveling. He brought Catholic priests into Dodger Stadium for special uh, catechetical teachings. I mean, this man lived the faith, and so I just want to honor him with a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, yes. full of grace, yes. the Lord is with thee. <clears throat> Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is, Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray please for pray us. for us. And and Vin Scully, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all these <clears throat> for all the years of giving us Dodger baseball. God bless you. That's right. Uh, by the way, if you guys are going to drive this weekend anywhere, just remember, pray to St. Christopher. He's a patron saint of travelers and Absolutely. motorists. <laughs> and uh, and for those of you that are having, again, financial problems or have been blessed with a lot of money, yep. uh, you can also pray and thank for, thank St. Matthew, 
St. Matthew is the patron of money, yep. bankers, and tax collectors. Uh, so, and, and if any of you have medical problems right now, I'm, I'm uh, uh, t- attending the after effects of shingles. I'm uh, still being treated by a doctor. Uh, I pray a lot these days uh, to St. Raphael. He, he's known as the medicine of God. I pray several times a day. And also pray uh, St. Charbel. He's a patron oh. saint in the Middle East. Miracle but he's, worker. He's, yeah, he's known as a miracle worker. So uh, <clears throat> I also have been calling on his intercession as well. Remember, we as Catholics, we don't only have to pray to Western Catholics. We could pray to the whole economy, <laughs> East and West. Both, both lungs of the church. Yeah. Jesse, this is exciting. And again, I want to thank all the people. We're coming through a, a tough time right now financially ourselves with the summer break. And a lot of people are financially hurting. And I appreciate that, that we you know continue to pray. If folks who want to support us in our mission, they can go to vmpr.org, become a monthly donor, because we've lost about 10% of our monthly donors in the last couple months due to the economy and inflation and all the rest. It's tough out there. But if you're in a position to help us replenish the the uh, juice, so to speak, uh, yeah, replenish the refrigerator, go ahead and go to vmpr.org, sign up for a $25 a month donation. You'll get hundreds of dollars worth of programming from us, from Dr. Scott Hahn and many others. And I, I want to say that if you want to call me personally, my cell number is 661-972-7872. I appreciate everything that folks you've done to help us broadcast the truths of the Catholic faith. Jesse Romero, what state should we be living in, brother? We should live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. America, wake up to Jesus. Don't hit the snooze button. Make sure that before you die, you leave it all out on the field for Jesus. That's what that's what Vince Scully would tell us to do right now. <laughs> He'd say, hey, guys, before you die, leave it all out on the field for Jesus. Remember, this is Thursday. We come to pray it tonight at the chapel for two hours for Pope Francis and all the bishops and priests in our entire church. We're going to make what Our Lady said reparation for the sacrilegious in our church. And remember, Our Lady said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Join us. Sacrifice the salvation of souls every Thursday night at 7 to 9 here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. May God richly bless you and your family.